Hello and welcome to Sex Jams. Yay! <laughs> this is a podcast where a sex educator and sex historian talk about songs to do with sex. I'm Justin Hancock. And I'm Eleanor Yanaga. And this is a series we're doing as part of the Meg, John and Justin universe. That's where you're hearing this stream. <laughs> That's correct. That's uh, where you're hearing this podcast. Uh, so... We are going to do a series of songs until uh, we run out of all sex jams in the world. <laughs> so that could be very many uh, uh, about sex jams. And um, so each show, we're going to um, discuss the lyrical content, mm-hmm. discuss the, some of the history of each song, yep. and come towards a conclusion by the end of the song about whether, uh, at the end of the show, whether it is in fact a sex jam. That's right. Why it might qualify or might not qualify as a sex jam. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's a lot of different ways for something to be a sex jam as well, as we'll get to later. Uh, So, you know, whether or not we're establishing if it's just a song about sex Mm -hmm. or a sex jam. Yeah. So a song which might be a song to have sex to or a song about sex. Mm -hmm. That's right. So, and we could... uh, Regular listeners of the show might have... Of the Meg John Justin podcast uh, might have heard... Uh, that Meg John and I talk about George Michael a lot. Also, uh, Eleanor and I talk about George Michael a lot. We could do every. We could do one. Every show could be a George Michael sex jam. Yeah, I mean, I think that regular readers of my work too will notice the multiple uh, uh, references that I make to uh, Saint George Michael. Yeah, pray for us. Pray for us. Or uh, pro nobis. Or pro nobis. Yeah. Um, you know, I like to think about uh, George Michael um, as a sort of patron saint of my life, the mm-hmm. patron saint of outdoor sex, um, <laughs> the patron saint of um, anonymous sex, the patron saint of unrepentant sex to a yeah. certain extent. But that kind of stuff comes later in his career, really, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like it, as we kind of find when we go through I Want Your Sex, which we love. We love this song. Yeah, so yeah, we're doing I Want Your Sex, to oh, be clear. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, oh. I've not said that. Well, yeah, you, you'll see in the episode title, we're doing I Want Your Sex. Yes. So, let's talk about I Want Your Sex. Oh, my God, what a banger. What an absolute banger. Just so, a jam. I'll do some, like, uh, biographical information about the song, you know, like people do on these mm-hmm. kinds of shows. So, first of all, it came out in 1987. It was released as a single... From the Faith uh, album. It, from the Faith album, which is a magnificent album. Ugh. Possibly his best album, but I don't know. That's hard. Wow. That's hard. Wow. That's, that's hard tough. Call. That's I tough. I think it hangs together best as an album. Mm. Uh, it peaked uh, number two in the US and number three in the UK and was a top five single in many other countries. Uh, the song's radio airplay on the BBC was restricted to post-watershed hours due to concerns that it might promote promiscuity and could be counterproductive to contemporary campaigns about AIDS awareness. Actually, we would probably argue that it does the opposite of that when you look at the lyrical content. Indeed. Uh, but um, interesting, uh, interesting that it came at that time. About the song itself, so there are three parts to it. So the whole thing... Mm. We are so we're going to be doing all three parts of the song, right? Yes, because what we're talking about specifically, and real George Michael heads will know, is we're talking about the twelve-inch monogamy mix. That's right, and so it's in three distinct parts, which which all come together, and as we'll we'll talk about, they'll have it always has the same RPM all the way through, even though there are different phases. So we're doing all three sections: so rhythm one, lust; rhythm two, brass in love. 
and rhythm three, a last request. I just love it so much. And I will indicate which bits that we're talking about. We'll post a link to the full the full monogamy mix is on YouTube, so we'll post a link to the whole thing for you to listen to. Just treat yourself. Treat yourself. Oh God, what a banger! I absolute just, banger. I just get so excited even to think about the monogamy mix. I love it so much. A little bit more interesting biographical information. I'm getting all this from Wikipedia, by the way. But a little bit more uh, interesting biographical information. George kind of slightly disowned the song. He never really played it live in um, subsequent tours. And he said in an interview that it's, that he was a bit embarrassed about how much it sounded a bit too much like Prince and how he was trying to um, emulate Prince. Yeah, which is really interesting because um, I hadn't heard that before we were writing up the notes for this. And... Uh, it isn't something that I would have said about I Want Your Sex, but it no. did make sense once I heard it because there is a lot of George Michael doing a lot of like, ow, and yeah. that sort of thing, which is not necessarily something that I would expect from George Michael either. No. Although I, I do realize that there is a lot of it in this song. I think it bangs. Oh, I, I think it totally bangs. I love it. Um, I'm not a huge Prince fan, as we'll probably talk about on future show, because no doubt we'll have to do a Prince song, won't we? I mean, like, you're wrong. I appreciate I'm wrong about this. He's wrong. I appreciate Maybe I'll come around by the time we do a Prince song. Love Prince. So, you know, it's, I can see where George is coming from because he is such, um, you know, an artiste. He does have such an incredible ovure. He's got, like, such an incredible voice that is specific to him. Mm. So I can understand where he's coming from with that. But on the other hand, I think that he's selling himself a little bit short because, you know, even as someone who is a Prince fan as well, yeah. um, you know, I'm, I'm a George fan first. I, I wouldn't say that that's something that I'd ever thought about until I read his own critique of it. And actually, there is a bit of history with this as well before we get into the song. That This song was uh, featured on Faith, and he won several awards. Like, the Faith was an incredibly popular album, mm -hmm. and he won several awards that were nominated in, like, uh, I think it was, like, R&B and Gospel. And Soul. And Soul. And obviously, so he's a white artist um, up against a lot of black artists, and there was a lot of controversy at the time. Uh, people very unhappy mm. that uh, white artists white artist was um, winning all these awards. Um, I mean, like, yeah, as we would say in Czech, uh, Toye Problematitsky, yeah. you know, like, it is definitely, um, you know, when I started getting uh, to be a George Michael stan and learn more and more, I was like, oh yeah, that's, you know, I wouldn't even classify Faith, even though I really love it as an album. It's just a pop album. You know, it's not something that I would call um, R&B or soul. No, but I think it's definitely influenced by, there's a long lineage of people. I think, you know, I Want Your Sex as a as sex jam is definitely influenced by um, uh, that kind of the, the soul and like slow funk, uh, mm. uh, you know, songs of like, you know, Things like Barry White and Isaac Hayes and Marvin Gaye. There's that kind of yeah. lineage there as well, isn't there? And I think that... So certainly he was inspired by gospel and mm. soul and R&B. But then for the next album, um, Listen Without Prejudice Volume 1, he was more inspired by the Beatles and Paul McCartney. And yeah. then for older, he's more in inspired by the kind of uh, jazz and slow tempo um, uh, trip hop Mm -hmm. uh, kind of vibes going on at the time, as well as um, so you know, he was inspired by lots of different movements. Anyway, we love George. We love George. We could do this, but yeah, I mean, eventually, you know, we will get to every single George song, but we're gonna, you know, space them out because we don't, be we can't, much. we can't do them all about no. George because you know it's just too much goodness. We'll do outside. We'll do, we'll do fast love. We'll do too funky. Too funky. Freak. Freak. God, I mean. The, the hit after hit. Hit after hit. Banger after banger. Yeah. 
Right. So. I want your sex. Okay, so we are not... There are so many lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe too many lyrics. I don't know. No, uh, no. No, no. that's not true. So there are many, many lyrics. We're not going through this line by line. We're not doing like a... <laughs> like a... a, a Deconstruction of the entire song. But obviously, we are going to go through the lyrical content as a sex educator, me, uh, somebody who writes about sex, and as a sex historian, Dr. Eleanor Royal. That's here. me. Um, we're going to skip ahead, like the first few um, the first lines few, of the song. He's like establishing your tempo to a certain extent. Yeah, he's he's kind establishing... Of establishing some of the, like the norms of the. Of uh, the, the kind of some of the societal norms around this kind of stuff as well, and he's like um, leading us into it. But the first bit that we get to is, I swear I won't tease you, won't tell you no lies. I don't need no Bible, just look in my eyes. I've waited so long, baby. Now that we're friends, every man's got his patience, and here's where mine ends. I'm not singing it. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll probably lose. I'll point. probably lose my mind, and I'll have to At start. Some point, we'll get yeah, right. It's gonna be bad. So I swear I won't tease you. So we were talking about how this is like. So he's asking, so he, the protagonist, is asking, uh, it's a woman he's talking to. Isn't it's it? definitely a woman, yeah. And at this point, George is dating women as well, but it might... Uh, it, yeah, in, like, George, in George's own biography, it's a really interesting time because when he sort of talks about this phase of his life, um, he says that he was quite in denial about the fact that he yeah. um, was, in fact, a gay man. But it didn't occur to him. He just simply didn't know at the time. So yeah. he was having relationships with women. He was having sex with women. Yep. And um, we understand the song within that heterosexual context mm -hmm. as a result. Yeah. Um, so he's asking this woman to trust him here. So this whole, so much of this song is, is built on the idea that the protagonist we think might be George um, is saying you know, I want to have sex with you and you will have sex with me if you trust me you just have to believe in me and trust me and so mm. and this again is kind of in we have to remember the era and it tells us a lot about the era so casual sex is really really stigmatised yeah. at this point where it, and in a way that it, and it's stigmatised because of AIDS and it was um and clearly that is a structural stigmatisation that uh, the media and a lot of what the government were doing were going out of their way to stigmatise um, casual recreational uh, sex for sex sake, mm. um, sex in non-monogamous um, contexts. contexts, although... We'll talk about that later. I don't think they're talking about necessarily polyamory or ethical non-monogamy, but just non-monogamies. Um, so, but this is about trust and that basically, um, but it's also an age old kind of idea that, um, well, it's not age old idea, but we think it's age old, but it's not that basically <laughs> that men want to have sex and that women want to have love mm -hmm. and that all a woman has to do in order to, uh, all, all the woman has to do is to just trust the guy yeah. and to like fall in love and then they can, mm -hmm. and then they, and then he can have sex. And so the... I don't need no Bible, to, so he doesn't need to swear on the Bible. Just look in my eyes. Yeah. Which is dodgy as fuck, really, yeah. let's face it. And I mean, I, so I find this bit really interesting uh, because that, like, the implication is here, yes, again, that the only re reason that the woman would have sex with him um, is because she understands that he does indeed want like a committed relationship with her. Mm. And so that's the thing that uh, I think George is asking her to trust here. It's like a trust that, yeah, I'm not going to just um, fuck you and leave. 
this is to me going to be like a long and committed relationship. Um, and that's interesting uh, to me from like my standpoint of things, like as um, a medieval historian more specifically. Because, you know, the medieval understanding of this situation would be that a woman has absolutely no specific interest in having an ongoing relationship within this this context. A woman would always be way more up for the sex thing than a man would be. Yeah. And then a man would be slightly more reluctant to get involved for, um, you know, financial reasons. Like, reasons being like, oh, well, I don't want to have to, like, mm -hmm. financially support this woman. That sort of thing. But a woman isn't necessarily going to say no to sex just because she thinks that she's not going to get a relationship out of it. Mm -hmm. It would be assumed in that context that a woman would be way more up for it, actually. Yeah. Um, especially if you've got a uh, differing kind of, like, class mm -hmm. issues here, which, which it doesn't really come into it. No. in uh, this particular George song. We're kind of pitched that here's two maybe like equal actors, but um, they are sort of driven by these gender roles from the 80s. And yeah. I mean, I think that another thing that we can also think about historically in terms of like the moment in mm. the 80s-ness of this is it's like, well, yeah, so here's George, who's a closeted mm -hmm. man, like in, and in pretty deep denial. Mm -hmm. And so like one end of the specific movement towards monogamy is this like anti-queer... Like yeah. anti non monogamous, yeah. anti assimilation, isn't it? Yeah, and so like George has internalized this like yeah. on a personal level, yeah. right? So he's taken this message about like sexuality having to be monogamous, having mm. to be heteronormative, and specifically heteronormative in this way where it's like men pursuing women who are disinterested in sex. So like this entire song is actually a part of this particularized moment where yeah. it's like you have to reject queer sex, you have to reject. Um, you know, is sex that isn't monogamous. You have to reject sex outside of relationships. Mm. And if you are like this red-blooded heterosexual man, you're still going to be pursuing sex, mm. right? But your job then is to just kind of like convince women into it, sort of like mm. show that you're this trucksworthy ongoing partner. Um, and you still kind of have this sort of like call out to like, I don't need no Bible. There's still like this sort of like Christianized context yes. as well. You know. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, there's definitely been like a, a at this point in the eighties, um, possibly, possibly mostly because of the of the AIDS AIDS epidemic. But the it did feel like there was a shift in sexual cultures and sexual mores, and away from what we were maybe moving more towards to um, towards more with. Um, the uh the sexual liberation which came for uh many women after the uh after contraception mm -hmm. the contraceptive pill became available but also the strides and efforts made by the gay liberation front um and yeah. gay liberation movements which was about and they were movements which were not about assimilation into like these kinds of um these normative like uh heterosexual yeah, yeah it's like yeah hetero heteronormative or yeah it, doing yeah. doing normativities in that way they were about you know they were about well you know we're approaching sex differently and mm -hmm. approaching the ideas of the family differently and approaching ideas of relationships differently and that by this point that's kind of over it feels like mm. um so the other thing that i just want to point out here as well is that this thing about you know now i've waited so long baby now that we're friends 
is this idea that in order to get laid, you have to become friends with a woman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, uh, and it's really bad. It's really creepy. And we still get this. And it's the whole thing about, you know, someone being friend zoned. Yeah. But also the idea that friendships are like a stepping stone or a training ground relationship for the real relationship, the really important relationship, which is the romantic sexual relationship, which uh, is something that I uh, try to teach out of <laughs> young people whenever I'm doing something. <laughs> sex education a friendship is one kind of relationship a romantic relationship is another one shouldn't be seen as more important than another and we shouldn't be doing one in order to get to another and it's also um misleading and i think unethical to enter into a friendship but not be honest about what it is that you're wanting mm. yeah because like what this is also doing too is like playing into that very kind of like when harry met sally like oh well men yeah. and women can't actually be friends because the only reason that a man is ever friends with a woman is because he is attempting to have sex with her. Yeah. There's there's no kind of like genuine friendship or reciprocity that exists outside of this pursuit of uh, sex with a woman. And like that's what George is saying here. This is what comes across in the whole song actually is that it's at no point is the well at no point are they talking about consent. The whole thing is kind of coercive and non-consensual. Mm. I love the song so much. <laughs> No, I love it so it's much. Not, it, there is no point at which the protagonist and the... Is it the antagonist? The other person. Um, no, they're not. Either like having like a meeting of minds. And there's only like a couple of lines where we suggest there might actually be the beginnings of a conversation about mm. what it is that their... How it is that they, their desires might meet and how their desires might overlap. It's It's comes across as being very transactional i've given you this friendship i've been waiting this long but now my patience is running out so every man's got his patience and here's where mine ends and then we go into i want your sex i want your love i want your sex i want your Sex. Now that is good. So there is a pause. That's very good rendition. Thank you. Well done. I oh. loved it. So you would think that you know that pause is like a, a nice tease because it's uh, the the end of the this line is uh, I want your sex. I want your love. I want your sex. And you would think the next one would be I want, I want your, your love. love. No, it's not. He's definitely I want your sex. Yeah, which I I absolutely love. Yeah. Right, because even though it's sort of bad, right, because it it is this sort of this coercive um, and really um, I would say that almost this song is just generally a pursuit. Yes. Right. It, it, all of this is is just kind of a generalized. Um, plea to kind of get some sex and so what he's saying there is like well I want your sex I want your love Mm. right like that's in there Mm -hmm. I want your sex let me restate that I want your sex (laughs) so it's just like it's saying that you know I'm offering love in there too yeah like I'm offering and I yeah I'm interested in like you know the romantic love that I could get for you as well but we've got a a rate of 25% interest in love to 75% (laughs) interest in sex According to yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. not, you know, love is something that we do not say. I'm not seeing a lot of love here. I'm seeing a lot of uh, pestering someone, pestering a gatekeeper of sex in order to <laughs> <laughs> say yes to some sex. But you know, but this this thing, and it, there's a class. This is throughout the history of pop songs. Is the um, how love is a synonym for sex? Mm. You know, yeah. Uh, Beatles. Uh, oh, I need your love, babe. Yes, you know it's true. You know, you need my. It's I mean, thing to get laid. It's also, you know, like within medieval uh, documents or stuff about love, uh, songs, poems, all these things, the term love can be a stand-in for sex uh, on a really regular basis. So if someone is like, oh, grant me your love, like 
that that's a big that that's a big one where yeah. you're like you're trying to get a lady to grant you their love or their favor, mm-hmm. and by that it means like access to that pussy. <laughs> Obviously, so you know, like love, you know, love, love. <laughs> so. Uh, the next letter we're going to it's playing on my mind it's dancing on my soul it's taking so much time so, so why don't you, you just let me go, go. Uh, so the, this idea that sex is something which can just uh, it's like a uh, like the lustful thoughts are like a like a virus aren't they it's like yeah. something that you that we need to rid ourselves of it's almost as if it's uh, it's like a, a pathology isn't it it's yeah so it's like uh, the, the classical and medieval conception of this um, is that sex is a kind of like overwhelming and enervating uh, force, right? Yeah. So you, when you become lustful, like to become lustful and why medieval people are constantly pushing back against being a lustful and indeed Roman people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's seen as like once you become too lustful, once you get too obsessed with sex, you've just got sex on the brain and that is it. Yeah. You can't accomplish anything else. Yeah. Um, so Romans will really be like, well, you shouldn't have too much sex because then all you're going to do is think about sex and then mm-hmm. you're not going to be a kind of like productive Roman. I mean, they're, they're not talking about slaves here. They're talking about Roman citizens, right? Yeah. But So you're not a productive citizen if what you're doing is thinking about sex all the time. Right. Same thing for medieval people. It's mm-hmm. like, and once you become lustful, you uh, the, the term they use all the time is enervating, right? Mm-hmm. So your mind is just clouded. You can't possibly focus on anything. Um, and this is what George is kind of is saying is is happening here. It's like I love that it's playing on my mind. It's dancing on my soul. Oh, it's interesting. Isn't it's it? like Good so. It, it's like down into this level. It's like he's completely distracted by how much he wants to have sex with this woman. And I find that really interesting because it's also playing to these tropes that you see a lot in the medieval period where women are just like so sexy, right? Like women are so lustful. Yeah. A lot of the time women are so obsessed with sex and women are so lustful. And the implication here is that they're always dressing in ways where they're trying to like entice men yeah. into lust. They're always behaving in ways like they'll, they're walking sexy or they're mm-hmm. dressing sexy or they're doing something in order to kind of like inspire this lustful mm-hmm. um, cloud around mm-hmm. men's minds and trick them into having sex with them because you know like w- women are the one who are trying to trick you into having sex with them yeah and george is still kind of playing with this but in this very 80s way where it's like oh well it's just kind of happened inevitably um you know i can't think about anything else now and as a result too i love this that it's taken so much time so why don't you just let me mm. go so it's like here's the thing where he's like oh well now that we're friends from the last line uh, sorry, the last bit of lyrics. But now um, it's taken so much time, so why don't you just let me go? Where it's yeah. like, oh, well, I've put I've, the time in. I've made it clear what I'm interested in. Yeah. So I've put the time in. So either we're having sex or um, I'm out. So transactional, isn't it? I mean, and I don't necessarily mind that. No. To a certain extent, like, I don't mind just being, like, putting your cards on the table and saying, like, oh, yeah, well, um, I want to have sex. Are you into it? Yes or no? Because if you're not into it, I'm going to go. Like, that's at least honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if but, he was honest from the get-go. But then, he's yeah. not, because he's like, now that we're friends, right? Yeah. Like, if he just said that up front, and she was like, yeah, no thanks, then, and he could have been like, all right, I'm on my way. But it's this, like, implication, like, oh, of all the time that I've, I've put into this, like, are we going to do it or not? Yeah. Right? Like, that's the, I, the key. So, I mean, it also just feeds into this idea that, you know, you have to, uh, you know, I would have sex, but I just have to get to know this person. And some of that is to do with... Um, the shaming people around the sexual health risks of casual sex and mm-hmm. somehow that if you get to know someone then you won't be at risk of uh, a sexually transmitted infection um, 
such as HIV, which is obviously bollocks. Like this, like the othering idea that there are some people over here that we don't know, and that there, are, as long as the, the, we do get to know these people, then we're going to be safe. Mm. Uh, we'll talk about that in a bit when we talk about like how he tries to privatise this relationship um, in the privatising sense of making it very private rather mm-hmm. than um, so um, but yeah just that idea that you know you date someone for four or five dates and then you know are you going to put out there now or what yeah. it's like it's pretty um, it feels like I think a lot of people would still want to well this is the thing there's nothing wrong in in doing any of this no uh, it's about but it's about being up front isn't it you know? yeah because so like, a lot of people approach sex like uh, approach sex like this now and there's also uh, there's an, even a label for it you know demisexuality where um, which is a label a lot of people would use to be like well I am interested in sex only under the very specific circumstances of feeling that I've got a close connection with someone yeah and which is, of course, like really absolutely fine and valuable. But the trouble is that what George is doing here is yeah. not saying, oh, yeah, like I'm up for that. Like I, too, yeah. am demisexual. And what I'm interested in is like this this relationship. He's saying, I can see that that's what you're interested in. And yeah. so I will offer you that. You can see that I will offer it because I've already put this time in pretending yeah. to be your friend. We already have this relationship. So you should add sex to it now yeah. because I've already proven the kind of like, like six weeks world. of movies and dinner and cozy nights in on the sofa mm-hmm. and chaste kisses at the door. Yeah. Is that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So the next line, when I, which we're going to, when you tell me you're going to regret it, then I tell you that I love you, but you still say no. It's like, oh, it's so neggy. It's so like, I, and also I love it too, that you tell me you're going to regret it. Right. So I'm really interested in that bit because it's like, what is she going to regret? So, like, because the implication, you can read a couple of these things here. So, one of the implications is um, you're going to regret it because, like, is it in this context of, like, this, oh, you know, everyone has AIDS, you know, like, to to quote showgirls, I mean, everyone got AIDS and shit. Yeah. Shout out to Paul Verhoeven. Yeah. Uh, But... You know, he, here it's like, so is she going to regret it because he might expose her to someone with something? Or is she going to regret it because she's in love with him secretly? And what she's worried about is that if she has sex with him, then he's going to leave. And this relationship isn't actually on the cards. Well, people also have like a kind of a view that sex is somehow like magically transformative. And mm-hmm. that is true for some people. That um, that because sex is such uh, an intimate act, then that people might get might start to feel we'll talk about this in a minute but that get so carried away with just how connected they feel with that person that they might fall in love with that person mm-hmm. you know that's that that's where it kind of i think what some of these traps come from that is that you if you spend uh if you give your trust to someone mm. then you're closer to them if you give your trust enough to them that you do things which are which you've not done with very many people you might not do very much um, that uh, that uh, you know, see, allowing someone to see naked or to touch your body, and to have these kinds of intimate experiences that you also then can't even really talk about with other people, unless you happen to be a singer-songwriter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in which case, you can sell it to you know millions of people. But um, there is this idea that somehow there will be something magical, mm. and that there is a, a regret that you might fall for someone even more than you already have if you have sex or something. Yeah. I think there's a complicated thing going on there, isn't there? That that once you've given that trust, 
the stepping away from it is not something that one can do easily, I guess, for a lot of people. And I mean, he, the second line after that is, uh, then I tell you that I love you, but you still say no. Mm. So she's like, I'm going to regret this. And he's like, but I love you, baby. Again, this is yeah. like, this is, a, this is a scene in Showgirls. I mean, real heads will know yeah. when uh, James is trying to seduce Nomi mm-hmm. after they have that awkward dance to a weird Prince song. I've only um, seen it once. Yeah, okay, like, don't... Yeah. It's... Sorry. I, I, don't let people know that you're a cinematic idiot, okay? <laughs> like, that's... We're trying to get them to listen to this podcast, okay? So, they have a they have an awkward dance to a weird Prince song. Um, she bleeds on him. Um, she leaves, and he says that, like... And, and, she, and she tells him, you can fuck me when you love me. And he says, but I do love you. And she goes, yeah, right. And then he says... You got in some bad shit somewhere, I can tell. I see you, I see you hiding. I don't know whether this is a good, bad Look. film, or a bad, good film, or a good, good film, or a bad, bad film. Do you yes. know what I mean? Yes, that's the it's genius all of showgirls. Things. Okay. But, but so, and that's kind of like mid-90s, right? Yeah. So that came out in 1995, so it's eight years later. So there is still this, uh, yes, I know the date of showgirls off the top of my head. You're welcome, everybody. So there's still this kind of like hangover from it where it's like, well, women are saying I can't have sex with you um, until there is enough trust and reciprocity till I know that you're definitively in love with me. Um, and men are saying, oh, but I do love you. Right. And like, that's what George has done here. Like it says, she says, I'm going to regret this because I feel like I'm not getting like the relationship that I would expect to have by the time I have sex. I'm wanting a long term relationship out of this. And George is like, but I do love you, baby. I think the other thing that I should point out here as well is that the sexual health risks are greater. So we're talking about a very specific kind of sex Mm here, right? Mm -hmm. So the assumption is that we're talking about sexual intercourse. So uh, entry sex, penis and vagina sex, penis and anus sex. And for um, someone who is being uh, entered or enveloping someone's penis, whichever way you want to look at it, there are greater sexual health risks and reproductive sexual health risks. Mm. Um, And this is the 80s. So, you know, the, the risks are involved in uh, a condom breaking uh, when people weren't regularly getting tested for uh, HIV um, and there were few treatments for H, few effective treatments mm-hmm. for HIV. Uh, but also um, the, the, uh, the reproductive health risks, like an, an unplanned uh, pregnancy, for example. And so and those risks are inherently on um, women in these situations because we're the only assumed form of sex we're talking about is penis and vagina sex, like reproductive sex. So there's that going on as well, that you really have to, the sense that because all the risks lie with the women, and also there are other risks as well, um, slut shaming, Mm -hmm. uh, physical risks, the, uh, you know, um, women way more likely to be sexually assaulted by, uh, Mm -hmm. to experience sexual violence uh, than men, uh, from men, um, that all, you know, all of the, the risks lie with the woman, and there is this victim-blaming idea that if you're not taking the adequate steps to make sure this person is trustworthy, then it's on it's the woman's fault mm. as well. So there are a whole lot of like, and we have a lot of those things still with us today, sadly. Yeah, I mean, so there's a lot to this, I think. Going, yeah, 
I think that one of the things here that you, you've hit on is that there, there is also this kind of social stigma. So say this relationship doesn't work out, mm-hmm. right? Well, George's character, well, he'll be fine because yeah. he just had sex with another woman, right? Yeah. Where, whereas Not on the bedpost. Yeah, whereas the woman will have been fooled. She was tricked. She's an idiot. Oh, why'd you trust that guy? Yeah. Um, and she loses status for having been in a sexual relationship because women aren't supposed to do that. Yeah. With the 20th century context of femininity is... Is such that um, you are less feminine, you are less desirable yep. if you have more sex. Okay, we need to move on. Let's get let's get through this one because we're coming. We're not even at like the the <laughs> biggest bit yet. So the next one, we're going to let's do the whole let's do the whole bit and then we'll unpack it. Okay, yeah. So he's describing sex. <laughs> so this is very interesting to us. So it's natural, it's chemical. Let's do it. <laughs> it's logical. Habitual. Can we do it? <laughs> it's sensual. But most of all, sex is something that we should do. Sex is something for me and you. Sex, sex is natural. natural. Sex, sex is, is good. good. Not everybody does it, but everybody should. Sex is natural. Sex is fun. Sex is best when it's one, one on, on one. one. One, one on one. one. I can't right. like you had to so read that. So much to unpack. I cannot. I cannot. So much to unpack. I cannot okay. read this without singing it because this is my. Well, okay, this is my second favorite part of the song, but I just, I love the flow. Um, I, I get hyped when it gets to this part of the song. Right, let's go, let's, let, let's chip, let's go through these and, and say yes or no. So it's natural. No. 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 <laughs> no. Uh, it's chemical. No. no. Well, it's the biological aspects to it. But everything is biopsychosocial, mm. so it's a complex mix mm. of biology, psychology, sociology, all feeding off each other. And uh, so, it'd be more accurate to say it's biopsychosocial, but <laughs> doesn't scan so well. Uh, it's logical. You've got so much to say about this. Oh, paging Thomas Aquinas, right? Yeah. So it's like a, a, a lot logic and Try sex. And do it quickly. Okay. Try and do it quickly. Logic and sex is this really fraught thing, and uh, Thomas Aquinas, uh, 13th century theologian, has this whole thing where he classifies sex and all sex that can be had into how logical it is. Mm. So the sex that is unacceptable is sex that is like non-reproductive mm-hmm. um, and not partnered. Mm-hmm. So it's actually funny because for Thomas Aquinas, the sex that is logical is like partnered penis and vagina married sex between two individuals. So actually, technically, what George is offering here, which is this kind of like monogamous heterosexual sex, is more logical. It is logical. It's like, that is what Thomas Aquinas would say, yeah, okay, well, that is logical, but really the most logical thing would be for you to get married and then have this sex. But you can retroactively turn this sex that George is trying to have into logical if you do get married later. Yeah. So actually, it really scams with like a quining, like a Tomian thought about what logical sex is. So like, good work, George. It's extremely interesting. Yeah. And well done for summing that up so quickly. Thank you. It's my <laughs> uh, job. Habitual. So... Could be. It could be, I guess. People... But I mean, like, how could it be habitual between these two people who haven't had sex yet? No. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, you can have habitual and perfunctory uh, sex and also uh, perfunctory solo sex, but that's not what he's getting at. Yeah. He's wanting it to be wham, bam, this is amazing. You know? Yeah. He wants this to be amazing, yet he's not giving any indication as to how the sex is going to be really good. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's sensual. Yeah, I think, you know, if you're, gonna have, if you're aiming for enjoyable sex, mm. it should be sensual. And that yeah. is, you know, uh, any of the senses that are available to you. So whatever it is you might see or hear or taste or touch, feel. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, see, smell. hear, smell. Yeah. But that's, uh, again, uh, like the, the 
the sensualness of, of sex theoretically is like one of these big medieval thoughts. Right. Like, and the idea that it's like, yeah, again, with enervating and everything, it's like, oh, it just kind of like overwhelms your senses. Yeah. And so like, it's so sensual. It has all these things. And in fact, um, like the, the term for lustfulness, uh, luxuria mm -hmm. uh, in Latin is like indicating this kind of like luxurious, sensuous thing. So it's not like, it's not like lust, it's luxury. Huh. In a way, and so it's like the sensuality is tied up in the way that we think about sex. I mean, ideally, I would say, yeah, like good sex, like yeah. sex that is, you know, you know, consensual, and you people are really enjoying. It should be something that people are like clued into, like feeling and thinking and and smelling and all I, these things. The, the thing that me and Meg John wrote about in our book, uh, uh, "Enjoy Sex However and If You Want To," is that so many of the messages that we receive. This is a, this song is a message we receive about sex takes us away from our bodies it disembodies us mm -hmm. and makes it really hard to be in our bodies and all the messages that tell us about what even counts as sex and how we should be doing it and how often we should be doing it mm. means that it becomes non a non-sensual it becomes an unembodied experience and so to be embodied to, in, to have enjoyable sex if you want to have enjoyable sex it needs to be sensual but let's go on to this but most of all sex is something that we should do sex is something for me and you Sex is natural, sex is good. Not everybody, everybody does it, but everybody, everybody should. should. Completely disagree. Absolutely not. <laughs> but, I mean, okay, so I... I Absolutely not. No I, way. I mean, so I like... Sorry, it. George. I like this sex is, sex is something that we should do. Sex is something for me and you. I like this because he's like saying, oh, here's these benefits. Here's these reasons why it's okay for you to have sex, right? Oh, it's natural. Yeah. Uh, it's chemical. Like, here's all these these reasons. It's it's logical. This is what people do. So here's all these reasons. I hate it. That, that allow you <laughs> to have sex. Like, he's like laying out his business case. He's yeah. just like, you know, he's got his little prissy. He's got like a PowerPoint presentation. And he's like, well, here's, here are all these things that a sex does. So sex Sex is something that we should do. Sex is something for me and you. And so he is also kind of like, again, hitting this monogamy button there. Um, and then that sex is natural. He said, has to say that again. Sex is good. Right. And so here we've got, got this problematic sex positivity. Right. So I think that there are a few things going on here. I think, first of all, he's saying within the confines of a loving monogamous relationship, sex is natural, sex is good, which I think is super problematic. Mm -hmm. However... The, um, yeah, I remember growing up through the 80s and the messages we all received about sex. The overall message we received about sex is that it's really bad. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, sex leads to, yeah. you know, hideous government marketing campaigns that just treat sex as if it is inherently dangerous and school-based sex education, which is just the same. Yeah. And uh, literally any education to do with sex, um, still sadly remains the case today, is overwhelmingly negative about sex and overwhelmingly about fear and shame mm -hmm. and stigma and you really shouldn't do it and you shouldn't enjoy it, which really taps into some of the things that Eleanor was saying just now. But um, So in this, for, for a song, uh, at this moment in time, to say um, sex is natural, sex is good, and to be saying that it's logical, it's sensual, and that basically to say that it is a good thing is a powerful statement. Yeah. However, it's also... I, I'm also reading it as this massive overcorrection. So we go from this idea of sex being bad to sex being good and everyone should do it. 
neither of those things are the ideal position for me. I think that in order to replace one, what we do is replace one ideology with another, where we go from shaming people who are having sex in the heart, who are enjoying sex, to shaming people who aren't having sex and who aren't enjoying sex. In this case, shaming this person. Yeah, and <laughs> I mean, and he does that immediately, right? So it's like, some that the sex is natural, sex is good, not everybody does it, but everybody should. Yeah. So it's like, oh yeah, well, if you're not having sex, then there's something wrong with you as well. Yeah. Right? So it's like, oh, you you have all these hang-ups about sex. You feel this particular mm -hmm. way. And he is hinting that, oh, yeah, maybe that's correct. Because he's like, oh, yeah, you should trust me. Like, the, there is this kind of, like, implicit threat behind all of this. Like, oh, yeah, well, um, sex is something for me and you. Mm -hmm. Because we're in a connected relationship. Right. We're in a committed relationship. So it's certainly for us. And within that, that makes it good. And then, you know, the flip side of that is that not everybody does it, but everybody should. And then it's like, oh, but that's kind of like trying to bring her in a little bit, right? So it's like, oh, but you're cool, right? You're cool. Yeah. You like sex. You're not like those stupid people who don't like sex. Yeah, yeah so it's, uh, right. Yeah, so it's othering people. And it's, 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 I guess what he's trying to do is give her permission to be sexual. Mm -hmm. uh, where society doesn't give women permission to be sexual. But explicitly, he's given this woman permission to be sexual with him. <laughs> yeah. Rather than necessarily to have sex with anyone or to yeah. to in, to use his uh his agency to help her increase her sexual agency for period for anyone else. Um Yeah, and then he goes straight in after that to sex is natural, sex is fun, sex is best when it's one on one. Oh right. Yeah. So now for those keeping track, within this particular verse, he has said that sex is natural three times. Mm -hmm. At yeah. the top, uh once again. Uh, so sex is, first sex is natural, then it's chemical. Then sex is natural, sex is good, and now sex is natural, sex is fun. Yeah. So he's really hammering on this, and this is very telling to me, because this is a very 20th century kind of, mm -hmm. and 21st century mm. way of relating to sex, of this like naturalness. Mm. And when we're saying uh, natural here, it's kind of like a stand-in for scientific, right? right? Oh, like if you can have um, a scientific relationship to sexuality, well then it's fine, mm. right? Like that that's what gets you off the hook of it. It's like, oh yeah, well naturally, scientifically, or when we think about it this way, well then it's fine. And it's like trying to kind of break that down. And it's interesting because for medieval people, the way that they use the term natural often means divine. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, so God ordered the universe in a particular way. Um, and so when something is natural, it means that you're in alignment with God. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also at play here, mm. right? So it's like, oh yeah, well, if something is natural, then it's acceptable because that's just how the universe is ordered. It's how the world is ordered. So even if you take God out of the equation, the naturalness lets you off the hook. Like, the naturalness, it's like, oh, well, you can't fight biology. I see. Right? That's interesting. So, it's like, he's constantly hammering on about it. And then, so he's like, oh, well, it's natural, it's good, it's fun, and then sex is best when it's one-on-one. -on -one. Mm. And so, again, so nice. not not only that it's good here, <laughs> sex is best when it's one-on-one, -on -one, which is to say, like, within this mon monogamous context, that's when the best sex happens. Yeah. So, it's interesting that he is uh, performing in the sense that he is making true by stating it. Um, that that monogamous sex uh, is fun, and that we should be having this kind of fun monogamous sex. And it's uh, it's very interesting that he's you know he's willing to sell this, and he's willing. This whole song is about that, and the the extended mix is called the monogamy mix. It's like it's interesting that he is um, really making such a strong case for this. And I think it's very much a song of its time. I, I think that. Uh, uh, nowadays, uh, I think this would be viewed really differently. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I do love the sex is best when it's one-on-one, because -on -one, it's like, you hear that, threesomes? Yeah. 
boo, yeah. you know, or or so you know. sex, you know, actually sex is best when it could just one and and that's it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, um, right. There is also like, do you remember? I, I'm not sure if it's like a pap shot or like it was very staged or something, but there's like a picture of George Michael from this era and he's like spray painting explore monogamy on a wall. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, oh, the ultimate, the ultimate sexual like exploration is actually so monogamous relationship. Yeah, so I think that what they were doing was that monogamy then meant that it is. Um, that it is something very different to fucking around and just dating yeah. and seeing other yeah, people, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is still monogamy. That's just like uh, successive monogamous relationships. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not, it's and the kind of non-exclusivity. They're not talking about. Um, I don't think they're talking about like the idea of faithfulness. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I actually don't know enough about this in the British context because it might be different in in different countries. And um, but anyway. Uh, he's extolling the virtues of being a monogamous, in inverted commas, faithful, um, exclusive relationship, which is uh, not necessarily... I don't think the conversations were being had about, like, polyamory or relationship panicky. Which no, no, no. Today. Can we move on to the next bit? In fact, we need I'll, to move on. Yeah, okay, so I love this bit. Right. Um, so it's it's very, very fun because in it, like, I'm sorry, I'm going to do this thing, the thing bit. Because he goes like this, sex, whoa, I'm not your father, sex, whoa, I'm not your this brother, sex, whoa, talk to your sister, sex, whoa, I am a lover. Yeah, he's pretty. <laughs> he gives it the Tom Jones, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah, it's very good. I love the whoa. Right, so let's talk about our thoughts about this. So, um... Oh, God, I love... So I'm obsessed with this bit, okay, because there's two ways of reading this uh, that I think are kind of competing, because there's sort of, I think... The obvious one here, the I'm not your father, I'm not your brother bit, is there's this, like, we are not in a familial relationship. Yeah. And, like, therefore, therefore, like, any relationship that you have with a man who is not in your family, obviously, that's sexual. Yes, so... the sex is on the table. It's this idea of, yeah, that family's not being sexy. So if there's anyone who reminds you of anyone in your family, or is anyone like your family, that is not sexy. I mean, I um, want to be clear that this this podcast agrees with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's not <laughs> a controversial statement. But the reason, but the the I so um, one of the things that uh, uh, sexist and problematic author Martin Amos would say about the reason why he's been married so many times is that when you marry someone, they become part of your family, and you don't fuck your family, do you? So it's like. So it's this idea, and also Esther Perel talks about this, that the familiarity that you get from familial mm. warmth and being in a caring, warm relationship is difficult to get heat and hotness and erotic charge in relationships. And I think that's what he's talking about here, is that, you know, I'm someone who is very much not um, someone in your family. I'm I'm somebody that you can see i'm someone that you can desire it's okay to desire me yeah i'm very much lot not like the other men that you're around where it's a very familial different vibe but what that opens up like the flip side of that is like okay well therefore anyone who is not a direct relative of the opposite sex sex is on the table yeah well yeah which is again going back to this like oh the only reason that you would ever have a relationship with anyone like unless you know you're forced because it's your father or your brother you know, the the only reason that you'd ever be doing it is if sex is on the table. Yeah. But the other thing that I always think about here um, is, like, the whole I'm not your father, I'm not your brother. It, there's, like, this kind of implied thing that, like, 
you know, and perhaps this is just, you know, me living in the patriarchy as a woman, mm-hmm. but there's like this implied thing here where it's like, you know, like when you'll see men kind of nag women if they're being like quite sexual, they'll be like, oh, do you have daddy issues? Right. Like, oh, you're only interested in sex because of, like, your daddy issues. Mm. So it's like the idea here is, like, I'm not your father, I'm not your brother. I also read it slightly as, like, I'm not like those men who fucked you up. Like, I'm not like those men that you have bad relationships with. So he's doing, like, a Cod Freud uh, psychoanalysis. Yeah. That, of course, he's doing, um, is it Electrocomplex? Yeah. uh, And it's a complete misreading of it. Um, I mean, like, let's be real. This is a track three on the Faith album, which comes after Father Figure. That's a good point. <laughs> so, like, you know, it can't also not, not a sex jump. Not a sex jump. <laughs> but, but, you know, like, we, we, it is an ode to, you know, daddy relationships. Right. right so, yeah. you know, you can't say that I'm just making this up out of nowhere. Um, no, I do, yeah, I do love the bit after that though. The talk to your sister, I am a lover bit because I just love the idea of like ringing up my sister and being like. Hey Emily, um, I'm thinking about fucking George Michael. What do you think? Or did or did George <laughs> did George shag? Or did George? Yeah, like that's the other thing. Is like, are you saying that George? Did you already shag my sister? Because if you already shagged my sister, that's possibly why I'm not necessarily that interested. Not really getting the trust vibes from me. I mean, exactly. Let's move. So, what's your definition of dirty baby? What do what you, you consider, consider pornography? Don't you know I love you till it hurts me, baby? Don't you think it's time you had <laughs> sex with me? This is my favorite bit of the song. That's good, because the, 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 the scans, really. It's, it's like it, the flow. The flow is, is just like, oh, so... Right, so you, you, originally, you think that this might be about miscommunication. So you think that he is inviting her to talk about her desires and her fantasies. Yes, so that's another reason why this is my other favorite part of the song, because this is one of the least problematic Tits I'm, of the I'm song. Sure, I'm sure. <laughs> so, okay. I mean, all right. So you're reading. You don't read it the same way. But I'm saying that. The, what's your definition of dirty baby? What do you consider pornography? Don't you know I love it till it hurts me, baby? Uh, so like, he, what he's doing is he's. It could be inviting a dialogue here, right? About like, oh well, what what what's sexy to you? Like, what what do you consider dirty? Like, yeah. what's porn to you? Yeah. And that is actually a really interesting and useful question. It for, is. for people to, it is. to if he have. was asking it in the way that you're suggesting, yeah. which he's not, I'd agree. I'd agree with you that that is good. That uh, you know, having a conversation about okay, what kinds of things do you find sexy? What what vibe? What dynamics do you like? You know, let's chat about this. Are we compatible? Uh, are the ways that we can meet each other? Let's talk about the various ways that we might approach uh, sex together. That's not what's happening here, I don't think. Okay, yeah, but like, still, it's acknowledging that that is a sort of way that one could yeah, have that one conversation. Could, one could read it in that way. But... <laughs> I mean, I would say that it's probably difficult to read that it that way when the next lyric is, don't you know I love you till it hurts me, baby? Yeah, don't I mean, you think got... it's time you had sex with me? Yeah, he's going on about his blue balls. I mean, I think that basically he's saying, <laughs> I think that he is, I think that it's bad flirting. I think that he is bringing up a very sexualized conversation in a way where he can have um, some plausible deniability because he's saying he is saying a sexual thing without her consent he's like oh what do you think is dirty what do you what do you think what do you think porn is and then and then she's like oh how dare you I'm shocked that you talked to me in such a way no I'm just asking you an objective question you know what's the difference between erotica and porn how would you define I just think that's an interesting question like you're taking this the wrong way (laughs) But right. then it's like... So he's trying to like have his cake and eat it here. And then he immediately talks about his blue balls afterwards too. Because the I mean, don't, don't you know I love it till it hurts me, baby. 
Which, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm reading this as a comment on congestion. Now I'll do my Alan Partridge impression here. Tonight <laughs> so we're having a discussion on the worst kind of congestion. What is the worst kind of congestion? What's the worst kind of congestion? Nasal traffic vaso. Vaso congestion is the worst kind of congestion. I say vaso. Vaso congestion. <laughs> uh, everyone gets vaso congestion. Everyone of all, with whatever your genital configuration. So I mean... We it, all get it. Okay. Blue vulvas, blue balls... But I will, so I will acknowledge here. Balls right. and vulvas, very similar. <laughs> Balls and labia come from the same, anyway, homologists. I mean, uh, I, I will say, right, that basically he kind of gives the game away there. I'm just saying that it's good because you could. One could have one, discussions. That is, and that's, this is like one of the But few, she's not agreed to have sex with him yet. So if she'd agreed to have sex with him, that is a good conversation. If she's like, yeah, I'm interested in having some conversations with you about sex and you know i'm interested in exploring this you'd be like oh cool okay so what do you consider like it's a good conversation to have like to say um what words should we use to describe our various genitals right yeah or to describe how we certain acts yeah because some words people will find offensive because they're you know all these words are swear words and obscenities can be yeah. read can be read as also um slur terms that are sometimes gendered and sometimes words can be too clinical and not dirty or just not dirty enough so it's like what words do you think what what are the words that we want to use to talk about how we and that is good meta communication mm. like for some people um you know penis and vagina and vulva and you know they're like uh way too clinical and it's like oh no my god that's too that's too much and other words might be also too much so there's like a sweet spot good but She's not a great tough sex, so this is not <laughs> messy communication. Um, In my humble opinion. I just I just think that it's maybe the most useful part of the song because it is something that we we could use in our actual lives like were we not trying to neg someone into sex you could you could use it. And also okay. I just like the flow. Right. I like the flow. Remember, dear listener, how we said that uh, this song is in three parts. We are only just coming to the end of the first part. <laughs> so, yeah, we're about to... So, that's like the end. But most of the lyrics um, are in the first one. So, now we're in Brass and Love section. Yes, so part two, Brass and Love. Part two, brass, Rhythm two, Brass and Love. So, one of the things that go... Like, to talk about the song for a moment, the uh, tempo remains the same throughout the entire yeah, so song. Yeah, it's a cowbell that keeps you going all the way yeah. through. And I mean, I just love that it's like the cowbell is the anchor of the song and it's great. It really pumps up and we get more brass in the section. That's great. But the bit we want to talk about here is um, don't you listen to what they told you because I love you. Let me hold you. What did they tell? What did they tell? What did they tell him? What did they tell him? What is it? This is the thing, right? So it's like with this particular lyric, George is kind of indicating that like he's he's got a bit of a re- reputation. Yeah, he's a he's a lad. He's a lad. He's a he's a he's a man about town. He's got notches on his bedpost. Lads, lads, lads. All he's interested in is just getting laid, and so maybe there's a trail of uh, heartbroken women who fell in love with him, and he was only interested in sex because, you know, when someone tells you what they are, believe them. You know, yeah. I want your sex. Yeah. You know, he's got it. If he if you send this, if you wrote if you wrote all these lyrics down as a letter and sent that to someone. <laughs> You'd run away. Really. Yeah, I would be like, believe that's a deal them. breaker. 
Believe yeah, that. like it's so there. So, but it's interesting because it is like she's saying. Well, I think that you know, if what I'm interested in and what we're meant to read here is that she's interested in like a, mon- a monogamous, ongoing romantic relationship, and he's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, baby, that's on the table. Don't listen to what everyone told you. <laughs> like, it's just ask your sister. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> she will be the one. That's the thing. Yeah, she's the one who's going to like... But unless she puts that, she's not going to... She's she'll never, never know. know. Yeah. It's such a neg. Okay. I'm a gentle lover with a heart of gold, which I just think is great. I love that. I'm a gentle lover with, with a heart of gold. gold. Baby, Baby, you've, you've been, been so unkind. Oh! Uh, yeah, so he's, playing, so he's got these big, achy, achy balls. But a heart of gold. A heart of gold. Ball, a heart of balls. gold, balls of blue. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that old adage. And she's been so unkind. Like, yeah, but, and that's what I love too. It's like, that's so neggy. Yeah. Like that you're being You're unkind. making this happen. Like the fact that like, the fact that you are questioning yeah, my intent her, at all is unkind. He's calling her uh, big blue balls tease, isn't he? It's like, yeah. it's really... And like, how dare you like question um, my intent or, you know, my romantic... Like, but there's like people literally telling her, apparently. He, he himself admits that yeah. there's people telling her that he's a, he's a big old, you know... He's a he's a cat. Yeah. Right? And he's like, oh, it's really unkind of you to believe those people. Who are you going to believe? Your friends or me? The guy trying to well, nag you into sex. Well, this is what he is trying to privatize the relationship here. So, and I think this is something we should all stop doing. Hmm. I will do this. Like, it's the the idea that, no, this is like a little secret. It's between us. No, don't believe what other people tell you. When you get to see the real me and we have our little intimate kind of uh, uh, person, our inter- intimate coupledom... Then we create our own world, and then other people we just ignore other people. It's like yeah, it's the whole it's, like oh, you don't know him like I do. Yeah, it's the thing. source of uh, gaslighting, and it's the source of abuse, and it's something that so many of us do, and mm. we never let other people see what's actually going on, and we don't want to hear what other people have to say. Actually, the most important thing to do is to hear what other people say about a partner, uh, and <laughs> to actually listen to them. That's like the most important. Like we need to start doing that, in my humble opinion. Yeah, but, right. And then, um, I like this bit, the next Sexy bit. babies. Sexy babies. Sexy body. <laughs> Keeps me guessing. With the promise. Ooh. I know we can come together. But the question is, will we ever? <laughs> um, yeah, so, right. So, that, that repeats twice. Going on here. Repeats so, twice. all he thinks here is that, um... Because either he or she or both have a sexy body that the sex is just going to be great. And so and they're going to come at the same time. He is not yet. And they're going to come at the same time. Which also is this, the, is this... I still think it's around in culture, this mythological thing that the very best sex that you can have is where you're both orgasming at the same time. Uh, and if the sex that they're having is this logical uh, Thomas Aquinas style penis and vagina sex, mm-hmm. that's extremely unlikely mm-hmm. because the... Uh, only as share height report found only uh, 70% of women like 70% of women 
uh, need uh, stimulation other than penis and vagina sex in order to experience an orgasm. So you can have simultaneous orgasms if basically you're just masturbating each other. Mm. But that is not the sex that he's talking about here. No. And so he's talking about penis and vagina sex and that they will magically come together at exactly the same moment, even though penis and vagina sex is often more stimulating for the penis than it is for the vagina because most of the stimulation that, that um, is, is inside the vagina rather than on the clitoral hood, which is the equivalent of the... Anyway, do I need to go on? I mean... But do I need to go on about this? And it's like... It's, That's where the orgasm gap is, a very mm-hmm. definition of sex. Yeah. So what we need to do is change the definition of sex and then there's no orgasm gap. Yeah. So people can come together if we have a different kind of sex that is more likely to enable everyone to come together. Yeah, but like if, the, if we're doing like some mutual masturbation here, I'm sure that that... They that, could. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, too, it's just, it's like a double entendre, right? This is kind of like a plausible deniability for George, who's trying to get radio play for this before the watershed and failing, right? Yeah. Is that, um, I know we can come together, is like, uh, oh, maybe, I'm just saying, like, have sex. But the way that he sings it is, I know we can come together. No, like, no, I mean, no, he really, no, it's no. so, like, it's... And there's a good bit of wah-wah in the background. Yeah, like, wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-w
It's late. Time for bed. So I sit and I wait for that gin and tonic to go to your head. I know it's a devious plan, but it's the only way that I know to get those big bad car keys out of your hand. Ugh. You know that I remain a gentleman, but even so, there's only so much that a gentleman can stand. Sleep with me. Oh, sleep with me. It's not sexy or loving in any way, is it really? It's just, so the gin and tonic, as we know, uh, people are, people use alcohol and other um, drugs to, in the pursuit of sexually assaulting, committing sexual violence against people. Yeah. Um, either, uh, well, it works on male levels, but, um, so we know that uh, by someone being uh, made sleepy or the consciousness being affected by this gin and tonic, um, that that might itself be like a, a means of sexually attacking this person. Now, that's not how I'm reading this particular section. No. Because what I read here is, you know, the um, I'm waiting for the gin and tonic to go to your head mm -hmm. and to get these big bad car keys out of your hand so that you'll sleep with me. And what I kind of read as happening here is he's playing on this kind of old trope of like, oh, well, now that you've had, oh, you can't leave. Yeah. And like the way that people also use alcohol or other in like things that mm -hmm. kill your inhibitions, so like other other drugs as well, to justify the reason that they've had sex with somebody. Yes. Right. So what what this person what is kind of happening here is George is waiting to see if she's going to like take. The, he, he's like I've created this situation which allows her to then go. Oh, I guess I can't drive. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm, I'm gonna have to sleep over. Oh, you take my bed and I'll sleep on the couch. And oh no, no, it's fine. Oh, don't be silly. And then one thing leads to another kind of thing. It's just so there's no yeah. It's so, just so they're taking part in a a normative social sexual script. Mm -hmm. I think of the time as well. I think although that we still have this, but mm. I think it was really prevalent then. Is that this? That thing of well, if I'm if I'm staying over and having a drink and it's late, then you know, oh, you know, then one thing led to another. Yeah. Um, kind of version of sex, which is uh, so like she can justify to all like the friends or whatever who are telling her why'd you sleep why'd you sleep with this dude? Yeah, and there's so much sexual shame um, for women, and you know, so many questions that mm. uh, that she's going to be hit by, and then when people say, well, you know, one thing led to another, and I had a drink, everyone could be like shrug their shoulders and go, oh well, yeah, you know, it's nothing you can do when you're. It's in the sexual scripts, you can't, you know, deviate from that. It's interesting too because, like, the vibe of this particular part of the song too, like, really changes. So you still got the cowbell, you yeah. still got like kind of like the exact same rhythm, but we've got like a bit of a muted trumpet, and it's much more of like a jazz vibe. Yeah. By this point, and it's kind of like, oh, of the jazz is on. I poured, the, I poured her a G and T, and let's see where the evening goes. It's so. It's <laughs> yeah. It's the worst bit. Okay, so that's the end of the song. Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, is this a sex jam? Oh, this is a fucking sex jam. Yeah, I mean, you could... It, weirdly, it's the song is not about sex. The song is about someone trying to get sex. Yeah. But it's a sexy song. It's, it's got the same kind of rhythm all the way through. It's, it's exactly the same RPM all the way through. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing about it is that it go, there are waves. And, you know, there are three parts of the song, but there are mm -hmm. also waves. And they don't escalate. There's kind of... Yeah. There are peaks and troughs of... Um, like tension and uh, you know so brass and funky guitar and volume mm -hmm. 
um, different uh, different flows. Yeah. George has so he like will hope really change up like his rhythm, the ways that he is approaching things. I mean, each of the movements really or rhythms, I guess he calls them rhythms. Yeah. Um, each of them is really couldn't stand on its own mm -hmm. as like a, an individual part, mm -hmm. and so it's interesting because it is kind of like what you know if, if we want to look at it as a, like is this a sex jam for um. Is the, some a, a kind of sex jam that people could have sex during? Mm -hmm. Like I would say yes, emphatically, yes. because it doesn't have like any you know like really driving thing to one particular part. It's yeah. like quite meandering. Mm -hmm. It sort of like allows you to kind of like mess around with the way things are flowing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think people necessarily, if even if they're having intercourse, that they necessarily have to do it like to the beat of a song. But if it was too fast, you know, if someone were playing like Jungle, I think that might not be a, a sex jam. <laughs> um, but uh, um, I guess it's interesting because uh, we've decided it is a sex jam, but the whole song is um, the whole song is sexy, but it is not about sex. It's about somebody wanting sex. It's about wanting to have sex. It's uh, not about actually, not actually having, sex. having it. Yeah. Um, and but also the the music itself is kind of we're suggesting it's like redolent of an interesting sexual experience where. Um, Ooh, and redolent. Then, Ooh. Is that a word? Yeah, it is. I'm just right. like, like this is a bit. That's a. But it is kind of like uh, what I like about that is that it's not this kind of like leading to a crescendo of like you know orgasm yeah. kind of yeah. thing. That the sex can just come in waves, and it can be um, the there can be slow parts and fast parts and sensual parts, and uh, that it does have that kind of flow to it, which is kind of interesting. So it's both a sex jam. It's a sex jam that is not about sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. So it's like it's a, it's a sex jam about wanting to have sex. Yeah. Um, not about having sex, yeah. and I don't. I don't think that those two things are diametrically opposed. No, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think, and also, it's a banger. It's so problematic. It's so like I, I actually like viscerally reject almost every single message within it, but I love it so much. It's one of my favorite songs on earth. Me too. I just absolutely love I love Want Your George. Sex. Oh my god, like you know, George. I'm the person if you're at like someone's party and everyone's like allowed to put the song that they want on, this is the one That's that I put on. Thought. Everyone gets pissed off because it's like nine minutes long. I don't care. Like, I'm here to alienate everyone at the party because like, I believe in this song so much, you know. Okay, so, uh, that's the first of our sex jams. That's Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy it. Um, we enjoyed it. We'll be back with another one at some point. Yeah. When that happens. So, until then. Ciao. Bye. <laughs>